All righty, Matthew chapter seven. Talk about life today. And I've been know life's important. It is. <laughs> Come alive, doc. Everybody is looking for something. Would you agree with me that everybody's looking for something? I've asked people, what are you looking for? And sometimes people struggle to tell you, but everybody's looking for something. Tell me how we are different from my cows. All right, here's the difference. My cows are content. They just eat grass. They, they take grass in on one end and they destroy the ozone out the other end. That's all they do. They stand out there all day long and just eat grass. And if you'll give a cow grass and water, they're happy. They just eat grass. They sleep at night. They eat grass. They sleep at night. <laughs> Back when I was a Baptist preacher, sort of how I live, you just eat all day, sleep all night. That's all you do. That's a cow. We're not like that. People got to have more than just something to eat. Would you agree? If I were to ask you, what, what are you looking for? People have a hard time nailing it down. Let me suggest several words that I got from scripture. I think everybody's looking for something on the inside. And I think everybody's looking for something on the outside. Let me tell you several words I draw from scripture that will describe what I think everybody's looking for. Number one, I think everybody's looking for peace on the inside. I think people want peace so bad. I think people will suffer to get peace. That's why we have a substance abuse problem in this nation because everybody's wanting peace on the inside. They want it to get quiet in there. Number two, I think everybody's looking for happiness. You thought the last one would make you happy. This nation was built on what? Not religious freedom, life, liberty, and the pursuit of a place where people could freely pursue their happiness. There's something inside everybody wants to be happy, looking for happiness. We might be looking in all the wrong places. Number three, I think people are looking for real love. I think everybody wants to be loved at heart level for who they are. And I think people want to love in return. I think it's like this. I think people want to be loved and experience the love and love and give it in return. <clears throat> I think people are looking for contentment. I meet people all the time. They got everything in the world, but there's a restlessness in them. They just... I think people need to, as my blood brother Paul said, I have learned in every place I'm at to be content. I want to be content on the inside and say, I got everything, I'm there. Folks are longing for contentment. I think people are looking for meaning and purpose in life. There's got to be more than watch a movie, eat a cheeseburger and burp. I think, I think people are looking for, what, what's this life stuff all about? Is it just, do you just bust your rear end, get an education, work hard, accumulate junk, grow old, sit at Walmart and die? Is that all there is? I think people look, does life have a meaning more than just existing? <clears throat> Let me tell you one more thing I think people are looking for on the inside. I think people are looking for adventure. That's why they do dumb things like climb a mountain and then climb back down. You don't move it, you don't change it, you just climb up, climb back down. I think that's why people stick their noses where they don't belong and get in trouble. They're looking for adventure. Is anybody here old enough to remember Steppenwolf? Okay, that's four of us that are in the geriatric club. Born to be wild, looking for adventure. Whatever comes our way. I think people are looking for adventure. And that's why we do such crazy things, trying to find some kind of thrill. The truth is, most of us sing like old Gladys did. The thrill is gone. I saw people, let me tell you, people looking for on the outside, people are looking for family. 
People want family to work. They want it the way it's supposed to be. People are looking for relationships, friendship. People want real friends. There's something in the side wants real friends. <clears throat> I think people are looking for achievement. That's why people take jobs that don't pay nothing so you can impress people you don't like. People want to achieve. They, they want to get to the top. They say, that gal's going somewhere. And I say, where? We just want to get up there. Whatever up is, everybody wants to achieve something until you get this age and then you just want to make it. I think people are looking for security, especially the 50% of us that are women. Women love security. Let me throw you one more in. I think people want to contribute. That's why the millennial generation, that's why they want to go work in soup kitchens or build a habitat house or collect money for cancer. Everybody wants to feel like I added something to this planet. This is a better place because I'm here. People, people don't want to just suck wind. They want to give something back. All right, everything I mentioned right there, that's what we're looking for in life. That's what the Bible says people are looking for in life. Let me ask you a question. If you had every one of those things I just said, would that not be a great life? Amen. Let's go for it, man. I'm all about that. Guess where I got every one of them from? You know what that's called? That is called your inheritance. The Bible calls every one of those things I just said, that's your inheritance. That's what Jesus died to give you, every single one of those things. And every one of them is available to every person that calls Jesus Lord and bows their knee to him. Now, <clears throat> here's the problem. Why do I know so many Christians who truly love Jesus, but don't have that stuff? Uh, there's an answer and that's what we're here for this morning. If I love Jesus and I'm a Christian, how come I don't have all that stuff? I want it, but I don't have it. You don't get that stuff by being a Christian. You don't get that stuff by loving Jesus. That stuff comes from somewhere else. Let's see where it comes from in Matthew chapter seven. Before I read Matthew seven, are you aware of what Matthew seven is? There's a, there's a passage in the Bible. It's Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the greatest message ever preached. It's the top message Jesus ever preached. And let me tell you what the Sermon on the Mount is about. The Sermon on the Mount is not, how, not to help you get to heaven. That's in other places in the Bible. The Sermon on the Mount is where the God who created this earth teaches us how to live on this planet. So if you want to have a great life, read Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7 over and over and over. I've read it over a hundred times. And you just meditate. The secrets to life are found in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It deals with everything. Attitudes, finances, human sexuality. It touches every area of life and it's compacted in three chapters. And this is how he wraps up the greatest sermon ever preached. Watch what he says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings or words of mine and does them, what does it mean to do them? Now, some of them you can't actually do. It means to hear them and weave the teachings of Jesus into your life. Build your life into these teachings. And does them, the Bible said this, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on what? All right, now we're talking about a literal house here. No, we're talking about your life. This is a man who built his life on the rock. All right, something happened. Verse 25, the rain descended, floods came, winds blew and beat on that house. Some of you know that storms come to everybody. Okay, you knew that. All right, but watch what happened. It did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Everybody who hears these words, but does not weave them into their lives will be like a fool who built his house on what? The beach. The beach. 
Can I draw an observation here? I don't care how fancy your house is. I don't care how big it is. I don't care if it's got granite, everything in it. If you build it on the beach, it's just a matter of time. Houses don't last because they're big. They don't last because they're pretty. They last because of what they're built on. Houses are propped up on foundations. And Jesus said, if you hear my word, these are people who heard God's words. If you hear my words, but you don't weave, in, weave them into your life, I don't care how beautiful your house is, you're building your house on the beach. How many of you know it might, might not be good to build on the beach? One last verse. He said, verse 27, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it what? It fell and great was the fall. Are we talking about physical houses here? We're talking about lives. This is the secret to life right here. All right, I'm gonna ask you a trick question. Think before you answer. What is the rock we build our lives on? If you said Jesus, you're wrong. It is not Jesus. You can know Jesus and love Jesus and your house collapse. I'm watching it. It's not Jesus. Go back and read the first verse we read there. He who what? The Bible says, therefore, whoever hears my what? Sayings. Dear ones, the rock is not Jesus. It's the Bible. Where do you find the sayings of Jesus? Do you find them in Facebook? Do you find them surfing the net? You find them in the Bible. Listen to me. You can love Jesus, sing the songs, go to church, and your life be a mess. Your life is not made great because you love Jesus or get saved. That'll get you into heaven. This life is made great because you get in the Bible. And you do what? what do you, the two things you have to do, what are they? You have to, you do what? Talk, it says, this is North Carolina, you can talk back. You have to what? You have to hear the Bible. You have to hear the words of Jesus and then you have to do what? How does this apply to life? How, how do I take this and make it work? How do I handle this? I have to hear the Bible, the words of Jesus, and I have to weave them into my life. Got it? What if I love Jesus, I go to church, but I don't hear the words of Jesus and weave them into my life? What does he say? You're living on the beach. And have you know that building a house on the beach, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of you got it. We got some, got some smart people here today. All right. The Bible... <laughs> I don't have to say this two ways. Everything I mentioned earlier, peace, contentment, all that comes under one heading in the Bible called this, abundant life. Why did Jesus come to this earth? I've come that you might have eternal life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give you everything I mentioned. When he spilled his blood on the cross, everything we talked about became yours. He died so you can have everything. You say, well, why is it not happening? What did Jesus say? You got to hear this word. And you got to let this word bring this stuff to pass in your life. I'm going to put it in the language you can understand. The Bible is the map that will get me to where I want to be. That's if you're 50 or over. I am stubborn. I still pull out cash money when I need to be somewhere. I pull out a paper map and I unfold it and I look it up. My kid said, you could just, I don't want to hear it. For those of you that are 50 and under, the Bible is the GPS to get you to where you want to be in life. How many of you are a man who will drive around and around and not ask? And I'm not talking about your car either or your truck. The Bible is the roadmap or the GPS that will get me to where I want to be. Not even loving Jesus can get me there. 
not even going to church and get me there. Only hearing these words constantly and getting them into my life, that's the only thing that'll get me there. I'm going to give you a quick testimony. I got saved. My life was a train wreck. When I got saved, I got a new heart and I was immediately going to heaven. But my life was a mess. But I got, I got saved in the 70s and I was in a different kind of group than we have in Christianity today. When I got saved, they handed you a Bible and the first thing you did was memorize a hundred scriptures. And our lives, our Christian lives didn't center around worship. Nothing wrong with worship. I love to worship. It didn't center around fellowship groups and home groups. It centered around the Bible. And we memorized the Bible. And when we got together, we opened the Bible. And I said, I, I saw this in the book of Mark. What do you think about this? And we, talk, and we lived in the Bible back then. And that's why our lives were so much better off than what's happening in faith today. Because the Bible is slowly being marginalized in the church. Nobody will cuss it. We still believe in it. We still love it. But there's a big difference in honoring it and opening it. That was so good. There's a big difference between <laughs> believing it's God's word and opening it. You can shout about something and not read it. People say we need doers of the word. We need readers of the word. You can't do it till you read it. And our lives were centered around the Bible. And my life has been so blessed today, not because I'm a Christian, not because I go to church. I live in that book. Yeah, yeah. 30 years ago, I started reading the Bible two hours a day. I still do. I just love that. I live in that book. And my mind is so clicked that immediately, I, anytime something comes up, any thought, I just immediately say, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about that? Where's that in the Bible? Does that line up with the Bible? What does the Bible say? You say, you you really hung up on this religious stuff, aren't you? Yeah. I am at peace. Yeah. I am loved. I am happy and fat and sassy and content. And I got a great marriage and it all came from the Bible. The greatest compliment I've ever been paid in my life. Can I throw this in for free? Our kids are young one time. Some of them over at the house, other kids were over playing with them. And I heard one of them say, go ask your daddy if we can do this. Another one said, don't bother you know what he'll say? You know what he'll say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? I thought, yes. You see, you hung up on that Bible, aren't you? That Bible has saved my life. That Bible has given me life. Now, when Jesus died and I accepted him as my savior, that gave me eternal life. This Bible is what gave me abundant life. Live it. Listen, Jesus did not say, know the truth. He said, if you live in my word, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will keep you free. What's the only way a person can live free on this planet? You've got to live in that word. You've got to stay in there. We need a revival of the Bible in the land today. Let me point this out. Before you'll start living out of the Bible and looking to it and trusting it for everything, you've got to have confidence in it. You've got to trust this book and you've got to know that right there is God speaking to me and have it confirmed. I want you to turn with me to this. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you a passage you need to remember for the rest of your life. And I want you to make a decision about what you're fixing to read. I want everybody in here to decide what you believe about what you're fixing to read. 2 Peter chapter 1 is where the scripture talks about having confidence in the Bible. So much so that even when you don't understand what's going on, this is where you'll look. The greatest thing I can do for you is to get you to have confidence in the Bible and look at it for the greatest life you can have. Second Peter chapter one, 
All right, if you were to say, I'm a brand new Christian. I got saved today. I watch the way y'all love God and sing and have a big time and I'm miserable and I've accepted Jesus. Preacher, what's the first thing I need to do? What do you think's the first thing I ought to tell them? All right, let's look at it. Read with me in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this first, what's the first thing you need to know? Before you know anything else, what's the first thing you need to know? That no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. The word interpretation is hard to understand. It means origin. It says in verse 21, prophecy of the Bible never came by the will of man. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Get it? What's the first thing you need to know? Men didn't write that book. That book is not of human origin. It did not come from men. Now listen, men penned it. But why did men pen the Bible? What does it say in the last verse there? Because the Holy Spirit of God came on them and told them, write this. And the first thing you need to settle in your heart is, that is God speaking in the earth right there. That's the first thing you need to know because that book is your life. People are gonna fight you over what it says and you need to have it nailed down. This is God speaking. This is him speaking right here. So we can do this. Look with me in verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word, which is the Bible, confirmed. Confir what does confirm mean? Proven. It's firm inside of us. Watch these words. See if you've ever had this. Which you do well to listen. What does heed mean? If you're going to heed something, what does it mean? Pay attention to it. Look at it. Listen to it. Heed means look over here. Which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a what? Anybody here been in a dark place? What'd you do when you was in a dark place? Did you call your friend? Why would you call your friend? They can't handle their own lives. What'd you do? When you get in a dark place, what do we do? Have you ever been in a place where your marriage was in such a mess and you were hurting so bad, you did not know what to do? That's a dark place. What does the Bible say? When you get in that dark place, this is the light you look to right here. When your kids are going crazy, and everything's upside down and you're suffering and they've told you to stick it in your ear and you don't know where they're at, what do you do? We heed the light. Yeah. This is the light that shines in that dark place. Right, let me ask you this. When you're so screwed up on the inside, you wouldn't even dare tell anybody what's going inside of you. What do you do then? This is the light we heed in that dark place until the day dawns and God does something. Amen. What do we look at in a dark place? How we feel? Oh, you're going off the edge, Doc. You gonna call okra? You gonna get counseling? You gonna get drunk? You gonna go crazy? You gonna call Buddha? What do you do when you're in the darkness? Now listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. We're living in days of darkness. There's a lot of things going on that don't make sense and I don't understand. But I, though I don't have to understand, I just need to know where to look. What is that thing? I have confidence. This is the light that shines in that dark place. I've just, I just, it's automatic for me. Anytime I don't understand something, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say about this? It's just automatic. I have such confidence in that book. And when you get like that, life works because he honors those who honor his word. Right, let me show you where that confidence comes from. You need to have two things happen in your life so you can have confidence in this book. Read with me in verse 17, 16. Now this is Simon speaking. We didn't follow cunningly devised fables 
when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, when I stood up and I told you that Jesus is the answer to everything in life, I didn't hear this from somebody else. I didn't learn this in a magazine. I didn't get this out of a book. I didn't learn it in a school. He said, when I told you that Jesus is the answer to life, what did he say? Let's read the rest of it. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I'm not telling you something I learned in school. I'm telling you something I saw. What does eyewitness mean? I saw it. What does majesty mean? It's the power of God revealed. He said, I've seen God work. I'm telling you what I've seen, not what I've heard from somewhere. Dear ones, let me, let me just take you back. There was a time when Jesus had many disciples when he was walking on the earth. You can read that in the gospels. He had many disciples, but there was a day that something happened and everything changed with them. Now listen to me carefully. It's in John chapter two. We won't look at it. If you remember, John chapter two is the place where Jesus turned water into non-alcoholic grape juice. That, that's if you're Baptist background. If you're Methodist background, he turned it into wine. If you're Episcopalian, he turned it into high dollar wine. That was the day Jesus turned water into wine. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? I forgot. Some of you got a Baptist background. Anyway, he turned water into wine and, uh, you know, he, they ran out of wine at a wedding. Jesus said, fill those pots up with water. They filled them up with water. He said, now take some and give it to the DJ. And the headmaster gave it to the DJ. He said, this is the greatest wine I've ever tasted. He called the groom and he said, most people serve the good wine to start with. And then when the guests are plastered, it's in there. They bring out the cheap junk, Boone's Farm, whatever. They jack out the ripple. But, but you... He said, you kept the best to the, to the groom because the groom paid for this. He said, you kept the best wine till the end of the wedding. And apparently the groom didn't say anything. He took credit. He just said, yep, it's a joke. Help yourself, 180, 180 gallons. Help yourself. But the Bible said this. And on that day, his disciples started believing in him. They were already disciples. They'd already given up their businesses to follow him because Jesus was a revolutionary. He was a, he was a world changer. And these people gave up their lives to follow this great man. But what happened? The day they saw him work a miracle, they said, he's more than a great man. He's God now. And we've seen God work miracles. And the day they saw God work a miracle, he said, from now on, what I'm telling you, it's not just because I read it. I've seen what this man can do. Listen to me. If you're struggling to know whether this book is all truth or not, look at the lives that God has worked miracles in. The miracles confirm the word. Amen. The Bible said he would have a word and miracles would confirm it. The only reason I am not in jail or hell today is because of that book. Now, a lot of people aren't like that. Some of the people had pretty good lives, but there are people sitting in this room right now. They are an undeniable miracle. They could not have fixed their lives. I mean, their lives are so screwed up, so on drugs, so messed up, so broken. Only, I mean, it's a miracle. Only God could have done it. What'd the Bible say? We have confidence in this book because we're eyewitnesses of the miracle power of God. All right, he mentioned something else that can put confidence in it. He goes on to tell about something happened in his life. Verse 17, Jesus received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. What did he say? I'm not just telling you something I learned in a seminary. I have heard God speak for myself. 
Demons, you need to hear God speak for yourself. It's good to say, Brother Brian said, it's good to say, I heard this from so-and-so on the radio. You need to be able to say, God talks to me. And when God speaks to you, this word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light into your path. And nobody can take this thing away from you if you ever hear his voice. John chapter four is where Jesus visited the woman at the Walmart at the well. And he's talking to this woman. Her life has changed. She goes and gets all of her friends, tells them about Jesus, brings them back. Jesus spends two days talking to them. I want you to listen to what they said. To start with, we believed in you because of what she said. But we have heard you for ourselves now. I want, I'm glad you come listen to me talk about how great God is and how life could be. I want every person in this room to say, I heard Brother Brian, but I can hear God for myself now. Because if you ever hear him for yourself, nobody can take that away from you. That's how you have the, listen, what does it say? We have the written word confirmed by his voice. Listen, I've had people want to argue with me about whether the Bible's true or not. There's errors in the Bible. Why is your book better than the Koran or all them other book or books? All this stuff and people start, and I don't even answer. Why should I answer? Number one, I'm not going to change your mind. And number two, if you think you can take this truth away from me, listen to me. It's not because I'm smart. My degree is from the Charlotte Diesel Driving School. Do you know why you can never rock me off this word? I have seen the miracles and I have heard him for myself. You can forget trying to talk me out of it. I've seen what the man can do and I've heard his voice in private. (laughs) I may not understand all of it, but you're not going to take it away from me. I want every one of you to be like that. I want you to see what God can do so you can say he's real. You'll never take away from me what I've seen. And I've heard his voice. He has spoken to me. And 99% of the time when he speaks to me is because I open this book and I don't study the Bible. Every time I open this book, which is every day, I pause and I say, speak, Lord, thy servant listens. A lot of times I hold it up in my heart and I'll say, talk to me. And he speaks. I've got, I've got uh, books in there that I've read over 200 times. Every time I read them, he shows me something new. Yeah. I want you to hear him for yourself. Life has changed because we hear him for ourselves. And when you do that, then you know, men didn't write that book. God wrote that book. And let me tell you what you'll do. You'll do what that passage said. When you get in a dark place, the first thing you'll do is look to that book because you'll know this is the light right here. And your life will be blessed by that. Let me talk about prophecy for just a second concerning the Bible. This book said there would come a day when people would turn away from the Bible and reject it and walk away from it. And I've seen it happen in my lifetime. We're living in that day in our nation. Turn a few pages to the left. I want to show you that. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter four. Go back through the Galatians. The, no, no, no. Go back. Yeah, you know where it's at. Second Timothy chapter four. I want you to find this. Prophecy is when God tells the future. It's when, listen, only one person knows the future and the one who wrote this book knows it. That's why 30% of this book is pure prophecy. But I want you to see what has happened according to scripture here. The Bible said this in 2 Timothy 4, verse three. The time will come. Is that prophecy? Is that looking down the road? When the Bible said, look for this down the road, I wrote in my Bible over the word will, I wrote the word has, the time has come. The time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. What is doctrine? 
That's the Bible. That's teaching, the teaching of the apostles. They will not endure the Bible according to their own desires because they have itching ears, will hire for themselves ministers and teachers and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. What the Bible says is going to happen. There's going to come a day when people are going to reject the Bible, neglect the Bible, and the Bible is going to be stolen from people. Dear ones, if you're crossing, as I put in my devotion this week, if you're crossing the Sahara Desert and somebody steals your map, are you in trouble? Yeah. Only a foolish person would think I can have a great life apart from the author of life. If somebody steals that book away from us, we are in trouble. And it's being stolen today. And the Bible said there'd come a day when people would no longer listen to the truth. They'd turn away from the truth and they would hire teachers who would tell them what? What they want to hear dear ones instead of what they need to hear, which leads to life. And we're in that day. The scripture talks about that day being there. I want you to notice what the Bible said in verse four. Read this with me again. And every one of us is going to have to decide this. They will turn their ears away from what? Watch this very carefully. A truth. What does it mean? The truth. All right, you're going to get in trouble. Are you daring to tell me that there is only one truth? Oh, you're not going to be welcomed in this nation anymore. You will be kicked out of our universities. You'll be thrown out of local churches if you say that. How dare you think that you've got the whole truth? You are arrogant. I'm just telling you what I get on the internet to me all the time. Dear, let me tell you something. Either Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, or he's a liar. And you've got to decide. He's not a way. He's not a light. He said, I am the light of the world. He's either who he says he is or he's a maniac. Which is it? Your life depends on what you believe about this. There is no many truths. There is no many ways. There's not multiple anythings. There is one truth. Jesus said this, thy word is truth. The entire truth of the ages is in that book right there. And anything that deviates from that book is a lie. And you got to decide what you believe about that. And you can't water it down. You can't cut it in half. The Bible said there would come a day when people would turn away and say there are multiples. We're in that day right now. We're experiencing this this past week. The Methodist denomination, the leadership voted that we will dissolve the Methodist denomination and bring two new denominations out of it. And every Methodist church in this nation has got to decide which one they want to belong to. And one denomination will be a group of people in churches that believe the Bible and everything in there the other denomination will be made up of churches who believe some of the Bible, but they're free to reject parts they don't like. What the Bible say? There will come a day when people will turn away from the truth and hire teachers who'll tell them what they want to hear. What the first verse, what the first vote show us in that Methodist proposition. The majority of ministers and churches voted to go with the denomination that says you can reject parts of the Bible and keep only the parts you like. Only the minority said, we believe the whole Bible. That's this nation right now. Now that doesn't affect me because I'm not Methodist. I'm not going to be. But as for me and my house, I'm going to go back again. I want a life of peace, love, happiness, confidence. I want my family to do well. I want my church to do well. I want a life of adventure. I want to be successful. I am not about to sell that book out. That book is my life. And you've got to decide what you're going to do. Now, what do we do about this right here? Read verse two with me in 2 Peter 4. What does it say? 
Preach the what? <laughs> Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What does it mean in season and out of season? When you feel like saying it, when you don't feel like saying it. When it makes sense and when it don't make sense. When it makes people happy and it makes people mad. You got to stick with the word, dear ones. You say, well, Brother Brian, I'm not a preacher. Let me ask you a question. In verse two, do you see something in there? Is that to preachers? No. That's talking to the Bible. Is God talking to you? A businessman that owns a business, if he calls his employees around and said, I want to talk to y'all for a minute. And he says this, we're going to treat people right in this place. We're going to make a good product. We're not going to cut corners. We're going to charge a fair price. We're going to treat our customers like we want to be treated. And in this business here, we're going to treat each other good. We're going to care for each other and honor each other in this business. That's how we're going to do business in this place. You know what he just did? He just preached the word. He didn't have to give book, chapter, and verse. He just, you know where every one of those things I just said came from? They came out of that book. Guess what? Now that man is building his business on the rock. Amen. Not Jesus, but the words of Jesus. Guess what's going to happen to that business? I'm going to put it in language you can understand. God's going to bless the fire out of it. You know what fire means. <laughs> Revelation chapter three says that you need to quit worrying about what the professor says. You need to quit worrying about what somebody says on the internet. God knows you need to quit worrying about the internet. You don't need to worry about your mom-in-law. <laughs> Let me tell you what the Bible says in Revelation. Guess what we get out of the book of Revelation? A revelation. I want you to listen to Jesus speak in the book of Revelation. I have set before you an open door and nobody can close it because you have kept my word. You want God to bless your family? Stick with this book. You want God to bless your business? Build it on that book. You want God to bless your life and in your head? Build it on that book. All right, a father says to his family, gather around. We have a family conference. Everybody come here. Let me tell you what we're going to do in this house. We're going to love each other in this house. We're not going to criticize each other. We're not going to tear each other down. We're not going to stab each other in the back. We're not even going to pick and hurt people's feelings in here. We're going to respect each other and cheer for each other. And we're going to laugh in this house and we're going to pull for each other. And we're going to eat family dinners together. No eating in your bedrooms. We're going to eat at the table and we're going to turn the TV off and we're going to talk. You know what he just did? He just preached the word. You don't have to give him book, chapter and verse. Just tell him the word. Guess what that man's doing? He's building his house on the rock of Jesus word. Guess what God's going to do for that man's family? Can I do one more? Can I do one more in the back? All right. You need to preach to yourself. You need to tell yourself, self, come here. I got something to say to you. You need to say to yourself, self, listen to me. I am not a loser. I am not ignorant. I'm not weak. I'm not afraid and I'm not timid and my past don't dictate my future. I am a born again child of a living God. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. The very spirit of God is inside of me. I am a champion and a conqueror and an overcomer and we're going to live like this. You know what that's called? That's called preaching the word and you need to preach it to yourself. Now let me help you. You might need to preach that last one to yourself twice. Jesus didn't say here. Jesus said, he who abides. Listen, you keep talking to yourself like that, which is what it means to abide in his word. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free from the lies that you believe from childhood that have screwed your life up. Get the truth. And listen, this word is our life. Get the truth inside of us. Now, does anybody ever have any questions about life? You want to get rich? Would y'all like to get rich? 
get you a degree in counseling, sit beside a couch and say, how's that make you feel? Write him a prescription. You'll be rich in no time at all. <laughs> what if I were to tell you and you, and it were true, I mean, it were true that Jesus is over at uh, the Barnes and Noble coffee shop and he's sitting there and you were to go over and you were to see Jesus sitting at that coffee shop, would you go up to him? Y'all wouldn't go over there? Would you tell him, I just want to tell you I love you. I want to tell you, thank you for all you've done for me. How many of you might want to ask him, could I ask you a question or two about things I'm dealing with? How many of you would have some questions for Jesus? Wouldn't that be cool? Cool? If we could go to the Barnes and Noble's coffee shop and ask Jesus questions about life, wouldn't that be cool? Let me tell you something. He'd answer your questions. So how do you know that? Because I can't believe I just thought this. What does the word say? Because he said in his word, call on me. I will answer you. And you sit down at the table and you ask him his question, your questions about life, marriage, whatever. And he smiles at you and he starts answering you. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you think he'd tell you anything different at that table than he tells you right here? This is Jesus sitting at the coffee shop waiting on you to ask him a question. Most of the time when people walked up to Jesus in the flesh and he, they would ask him a question, most of the time, how'd he answer them? He would answer like this. What is written in the scriptures? What is your reading of it? In other words, Jesus said, what does the Bible say? Yeah. Then when the Bible is Jesus answering your questions. Yeah. I mean, I know Jesus got some good answers. Yeah. We need to let him do that. Dear ones, I want to make an announcement. You can love Jesus, go to church, and it won't change your life much. But blessed is the man who meditates in his truth day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth his fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither. Listen to these words. And everything he does, God causes to prosper. Where's a great life come from? getting in this book and letting him speak to your heart inside of there. <clears throat> number one question, number one thing people say to me when I say, you got to get in his word, you're not going to make it. Guess what they always say to me? I don't know where to look. Fair question. How many of you know you need to know where to look? That's a big book. You need to know where to look in there. And uh, let me help you. Don't, don't start in Genesis. Too late for that. As the man said in the movie, too late for that. I've, all right. I've been real nice. Now it's time for me to get ugly. You ready? No, you're not, but I'm going to do it anyway. Listen to me. A lot of times I'll say to men whose lives are screwed up and they decide they want to get it right, I say, listen to me, Bubba. I'm going to pray for you and I love you, but you've got to get in this word so your family can be straightened out. And they like to say to me, I don't like to read. <laughs> and my answer is, I've heard some preachers say, well, you could try this or try that. My answer is, Start. The only reason I graduated from high school was because the math teacher said, mop the floor, I'll give you a C. I finished bottom up five in high school. You think I like to read? I knew my life depended on me getting in that book. Learn, dude. Oh, I'm not getting amens anymore. <laughs> Learn, dude. I'm going to make an announcement. This American lie that you can have great gain without pain is BS. You know, BS stands for bad stuff. That means it's not true. 
there is, there's no shortcut to glory. All right, you've been watching too much TV. You keep watching them commercials that says you can lose weight by eating our pill. You don't have to move. Just eat this pill and the fat will fall off. You'll see it laying on the couch. It'll fall off right beside you there. And all this, just eat this pill. Send me $80. The fat will fall off. You don't have to put out no effort. Let me make an announcement. They're lying. They're lying. These preachers who say, let me bop you and everything and be fine. Get bopped, but you got to pick that book up too. These folks who say, only believe. That's finally you believe, but you got to put something in there to believe. There is no substitute for thy word have I hid in my heart. You got to get inside there and let me help you. Here's how you start. Since you don't know where to go. Mark. You start with the book of Mark. It's the most compact book in the Bible that shows you the glory of God and how to live. And you start in there and you read it. But listen, do not study the Bible. Open it like a love letter. And before you read the first word, you bow your heart and say, speak, Lord Jesus. I want to hear what you got to say. Talk to me. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to me personally. Speak this book to my life. And he'll do it. All right, here's the deal. We start in the book of Mark. We go and we buy ourselves a promise book. You know what the promise book is? We got these here. You know what this is right here? This is where we take the Bible and we categorize it for you. You say, well, I don't know what to do when we're having financial problems. Right there it is. We'll give you all the verses on financial difficulty. Struggling in marriage, we put all the verses together right there. Afraid, there's all the verses right there. Evil mother-in-law, It deals with the issues of life and puts God so you'll know where to go. Dear ones, you, listen, if you're so nervous you can't sleep at night, reading that Abimelech begat Halimelech is not going to help you much. <laughs> Don't monkey around, go straight to the need. You wouldn't go into a pharmacist and just start eating every pill on the shelf. Find the one you need for your need. Right there it is. You got to get that and get in that word. Let me give you one more. Cell phones. Aren't you having trouble in your marriage? Do not pick up your cell phone and call your girlfriend. She ain't handling Bubba no better than you're handling Rufus. That's stupid. She don't know what to do. Why would you call her? Call God. Don't call, don't call your uncle. Your mama's been married nine times. Why would you call her? We are done. Call God when you have a question. What's his number? All right. <laughs> hit Google, hit Bible on fear. He will answer you. And he'll show you the verses of, to deal with fear. Hit Bible on whatever. He will answer you. Dear ones, go to the subject matter, meditate on it, get it in your heart, get it way, way down inside of there. We got to get, we need a revival of the Bible in this day. All right, I'm going to ask you a simple question. You should be able to get this pretty easy. Which makes better sense to you? A guardrail at the top of the mountain or an ambulance at the bottom? Our nation's all about ambulances at the bottom. I would like to make an announcement. It is, thank God for the ambulances. It is time to put a guardrail back at the top of the mountain. Let's go, guys. It is time to get back in this book again and get it working again. All righty. Until it's happened, 36 years I've been doing this. I have helped a lot of people. And it's not because I'm smart. 
It's not because I'm well-educated. I did finish top of my class at the Charlotte Diesel Driving School. Wasn't a real challenge. But you know why? Every time somebody comes to me with a need, this mind immediately clicks and says, where does the Bible address that? What does the Bible say about that? All I have ever done is point people back to the Bible. All I've ever done is told them, get in this Bible. All I ever do is say what the Bible says. And I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle because God honors his word. This word works when we get back to it. I want to give you an illustration and then I'm done. You know what it means when I say I'm done? I don't either. I have a clue. One of my favorite movies of all time was made years ago. A guy named Willie George. You might know Willie George. All right, got a couple of you. Willie George is a preacher in Oklahoma. Great guy. And Willie George made one of the greatest movies. And in this movie, he starred in it, uh, played in it. And he was a uh, federal marshal in the wild, wild west in Oklahoma. Cowboy days. Had the, had the six shooter and all that stuff. Had his badge on there. And he was friends. His best buddy was also a federal marshal and they worked together. Well, his best buddy decided to quit marshaling and he wanted to start digging for gold. Make more money digging for gold when you do shooting outlaws. So he decided he'd start digging for gold. So he did that. And uh, he got older and he got sick and he was dying. And Willie goes to see his best buddy on his deathbed. And this best buddy of his, he had a son that he'd been estranged from for years and he became an outlaw and he was a criminal. He was running with an outlaw band somewhere in the Western Territory there. And he went to see him and he told Willie on his dying on the bed there, he said, gave him, he handed him a little map and he said, I have an inheritance from my son. He said, I'm not going to make it, but said, I, if you, I wish you'd help him get his inheritance. And Willie took, took the map. He said, I'll help him get it. And uh, so Willie called another marshal friend of theirs from the next territory. He said, you got to come help me. We got to do what this man wants. Well, he came over and his name was, he, he was played by a guy named Kenneth Copeland. Y'all know who Kenneth Copeland is? All right, he was the other marshal. So they go looking for this outlaw, that this, this friend's son, and they find him in a saloon. He's sitting in the saloon playing cards there. His back's to the wall around the table. And he walks over, I think it was Kenneth Copeland walked over, he had his badge on, he's all dressed in black. And he walked over and he said, uh, I come to talk to you, son. He said, I don't talk to lawmen. He said, your daddy sent me to help you find your inheritance and that's what I've come to do. And he said, I don't want nothing my daddy's got. He was ill, he was just ugly, had long old scraggly hair. And uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland, he kicked that table over, pinned him against the wall, pulled out his six shooter, stuffed it up his nose and said, I gave your daddy my word. I was going to help you and I'm going to help you. <laughs> Took his pistol away from him, put him in handcuffs. And Willie and Ken and this boy, they took off on horses to go find that inheritance. They had the map. So they're riding through the wild west and they're getting snake bit and Indians are after them.